My eternal life depends not on me, but on believing in Jesus. I believe in him. It's still just a miracle to even think there can be something so solid. The rest of your life would be changed from that moment. If you don't recognize his voice, you would certainly recognize his art. Our first-person guest now is Glenn Keane, who at one time was one of Disney's foremost lead character animators, having drawn such classic characters as Ariel in The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and many others. You'll meet Glenn and hear his spiritual testimony in just a moment. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This first-person program is a weekly conversation with a guest who has given their life to Christ and followed his call into a unique avenue of service. If you are new to our program, please take a moment to explore our archive of past programs found at firstpersoninterview.com. And before we hear from our guest, a word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for the support which makes First Person possible. Well, as you'll hear, Glenn Keane grew up in the home of a famous cartoon artist. Working for Disney for 38 years himself until 2012, Glenn is the recipient of the Disney Legend Award for his contribution in animation. He's now the author of the Adam Raccoon series of children's books. But there's more to Glenn's story than just art, as we hear now on First Person. I really had just a great privilege of being raised in a family where my dad was a cartoonist. Bill Keane, he created this comic called The Family Circus. Yeah, it was in... Oh, around 1,500 newspapers around the country, still going. My brother Jeff does it now uh, and was dad's assistant for many years there. Um, but growing up, it was the most natural thing in the world to have um, this live-in art teacher. <laughs> and he, his studio was attached to the house. And I, at different times, would... Uh, I mean, constantly I was going out there, knocking on his door, and he'd be working on some deadline late at night, and I'd be trying to draw like a, a horse, and it just kept looking like a dog, you know. And <laughs> so I would go out there and knock at his door, you know, and I'd always hear, and I'd go in there, and Dad would be busy working away. And um, I said, Dad, I got this, this drawing. I was wondering if you can help me with it. He said, oh, yeah, well, sure, come on in, Glenn. And he'd always just push aside his family circus. I just remember just the gesture of his hand across his drawing board, just sliding everything off to the side. And it was just a big, empty space on his drawing board, ready for my horrible little drawing <laughs> that I had done. I was struggling. He put it there, and he, oh, okay, so you're trying to draw a horse, uh, Looks like looks like a dog. I know, Dad. That's what I'm having a trouble with. Well, well, let's talk about a horse. What does a horse look like? And he'd pull out an encyclopedia. And he'd he'd show me about the way the legs of a horse are designed different than a dog. And by the end of that, I would I just couldn't wait to get back to my bedroom where I had my little drawing board set up and and try to draw like him. And I would say, Dad. How did you ever get so good? How am I, I'll never be this good. He said, when you just keep studying, keep looking at artists that you, that you love, copy them, keep learning, just grow bit by bit, you're going to get there. You're, you're doing better than I did when I was your age. Mm-hmm. And he was such an encouraging teacher. I can't remember a time where I wasn't drawing. It's the, it's the one thing that our family knows how to do. Yeah. I mean, we're terrible at everything else. I mean, don't <laughs> give me 
anything with finances, business, numbers, math. I'm horrible. (laughs) But imagining creating something that I believe in, that's like just like a duck to water. Well, we've got much to talk about. I, of course, want to talk about your your legendary role as an animator at Disney and all the wonderful characters you created there. But more importantly, I want to talk to you about the Lord before we talk about all that other stuff. But when did uh, when did he come into your life, Glenn? My faith was more of of a tradition that I carried along with me as something I just like a shirt on my back. That tradition sort of just fell by the wayside for me. Hmm. I I didn't um I didn't value my faith at that point. And it was a uh it was a difficult couple years there where I went to Cal Arts and discovered animation. Just a really an amazing uh path the way that all worked out for me. I mean I feel that the best things in life are really by God's grace, the things that you don't work for. Uh that idea that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Heavenly Lights, is something that I have grown to not just appreciate, but count on in my life. Mm-hmm. So after two years at CalArts, I realized, you know, where I really want to go to learn is Disney, and they had just started a training program where they were inviting the artists from around the world to submit portfolios, and I submitted mine, and was um, accepted into a training program there where we learned from Walt Disney's, what he called his nine old men, the guys who had created Pinocchio and Snow White. And uh, this was uh, very much a master-apprentice relationship. Um, It was the most wonderful time of, of learning for me as I grew in knowledge as an artist, the skills that, my dad was telling me someday you're going to you'll just it's going to happen. It was happening for me. I was I was growing by leaps and bounds. But after like um, I guess it was maybe four months. I started in September. I started to have an incredible sense of conviction of uh, sin in my life. Hmm. It was a weight that I couldn't shake. And I would walk down the hallways, of, you know, and I'd see every, all my friends, you know, the other young people from around the country and the world animating and learning, and they were excited. And and I felt like, well, what's wrong with me? Why, how can they be smiling? And I'm, what's going on? And um, so, you know, maybe I need to get back to church and went to the priest and I hadn't gone to confession for many years and uh, said, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, I don't know, two years. I probably lied about how long. <laughs> it was the first thing I had to confess. I was lying to him about how long it had been since I got to confession. <laughs> and he gave me, uh, you know, so many prayers to say, your penance, and and I did that. And I remember just walking out of that church feeling, oh, this weight lifted. That night, though, laying in bed, my little apartment, I started thinking, well, what gives him the right to say that my sins are forgiven? What does God think? How does God feel about me? The weight was back, but it was even heavier, and I was becoming desperate. Uh, so I went back to 
to Disney and I'm learning and I'm working. But at that time, we were all in this bullpen, um, a whole group of about eight of us at uh, Disney Studios, and they split us up into twos. There was this one guy that I would notice at lunchtime and at breaks when everybody would kind of gather together in little cliques. You know, you wanted to be part of the in-group. You never knew who was going to get booted out, and it was this sense of, of, like, strength in numbers, and certain people seemed to know about animation, and you wanted to hang out with them, and I was hanging out with them. But I'd see this one guy, and he would be reading his Bible. I'd never seen anybody read their Bible before by their own free will. <laughs> he was a black guy. He was a football player from Las Vegas, Nevada University, and great artist. But he's kind of quiet, and so he looked kind of mean. He looked... Anyway, when they split us all up, I ended up in his room with him. And this happened immediately after my experience and not sensing the forgiveness that I was looking for. So I went in, and he and I are in the room together. It must have been just even a couple days in there, and I finally said, hey, Ron, um, I see you reading the Bible. Like, What does it say about that I could be made right with God, that I would feel forgiven? And What does it say about that? What does it say about heaven and hell? I'm just confused. And he said, well, right now I've been reading the Bible because at the moment, I've been a Jehovah's Witness. As I've been reading the Bible, I realized that's not right. You can't work your way into heaven, into God's grace. It's not something you can earn. And he started sharing these different verses, and he says, I've been discovering it's really Jesus Christ died for our sins. And he, he said, here, and he gave me this little Gideon's Bible that he had taken out of a hotel, and he said, we, here's, here's a Bible. You should read this, John 3.16. So I took it. That was in the morning. Lunchtime, I went walking across the street. Um, there was a jack-in-the-box on the corner. Uh, and I brought the little Bible with me, and I went and bought a jumbo jack or something. And I remember walking back across the crosswalk back to Disney. But I was reading uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I just remember getting to the other side, up on the sidewalk, reading that. And Wayne, it was, it was amazing to me at that moment I realized that there was faith, like I could believe it. Hmm. And, and I just, in reading that, so my eternal life depends not on me, but on believing in Jesus. I believe in him. I believe it. And it was, it was, uh, it's still just uh, a miracle oh. to even think, you know, that there can be something so solid like that inside of you Mm -hmm. that wasn't there before and yet so strong and powerful that the rest of your life would be changed from that moment. For me, it was the power of those words. It really was the the Word of God, active, living, Mm -hmm. and transforming. At that point, 
I determined, I believe this. This, I believe. We're hearing the testimony of former Disney animator Glenn Keane, and we'll talk about his children's books next. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC partners with First Person to bring these interviews to you each week because we never tire of hearing how God moves on the hearts of people to accomplish His purpose. Whether in the hard-to-reach places of the world or right here at home, we serve a living God who leads men and women to do great things for Him. Learn more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the FEBC banner. My guest is artist, animator, illustrator, Glenn Keane. Glenn is the recipient of the Disney Legend Award, 38 years with the Disney Studios, creating many of the characters that we know and love. And Glenn, I want to talk more about what life is like for you today and the books that you've written, but tell me more about your testimony in Christ. I got to say, I mean, I could not get enough of reading God's Word. It was just, this is how I am today. It's the most wonderful, wonderful moment of of my day, if I can spend some time and listen to what God's saying to me through His Word. And I was feeling that, and yet I was animating, and I was learning all these new things, and I started thinking, what in the world does animation have to do with what I'm reading? This is so life-changing and important, and what I'm doing matters nothing. It doesn't matter at all. It's just entertainment. Uh, So I talked to my pastor and I said, you know, I'm thinking I want to leave Disney and I want to go to seminary and maybe I think I should be a pastor. I'd I'd like to just teach the Bible. And he said, Glenn, look, I got to confess secretly, I wish I was a lawyer because then people wouldn't turn on their church ears when I talk about God. It doesn't mean as much coming from me, but coming from you, who's an artist, I think God's called you for a purpose there, to be a light. I don't know how it's going to be, but you need to, to stay where you are. And so I thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll take that as good advice, and uh, decided that I would just look for opportunities that I could serve the Lord with my um, drawing skills and uh, storytelling. Glenn, talk a bit more about how you view your life at Disney and your life now and your calling as an artist. The calling to be an artist is is a sacred one. Uh, you are uh, reflecting the things that you you see in in life, and you show them back to the world. And my dad taught me to really base so much of what you do on your family. I mean, he based the family circus on his own kids. Yeah, I was little Billy in the family circus. Yes, there. I was going to ask you about that. So you were Billy, huh? Yeah, and I said, no, Dad, come on, you're Billy. Your name is Bill. <laughs> And he said, no, Glenn, look, you were seven years old when I started this. It's really based on you. I used my family as much as I possibly could. For Ariel, uh, Linda, my wife, became uh, my model for The Little Mermaid. For Tarzan, it was very much my son, Max. uh, We were in Paris, and I was doing that film there, Tarzan. And Tarzan was surfing. Well, I wanted him to be doing something different than just swinging on a vine. And my son was skateboarding all the time. And started to thinking of Tarzan like him. And uh, so he became my inspiration there for entangled. Uh, Rapunzel was really my daughter, Claire, um, who ever since she was a little, little girl at six years old, she wanted to paint her bedroom. Uh, Claire would say, I want to paint my ceiling in clouds. And my, my wife was 
Like, okay, we're not going to turn a six-year-old loose in the house painting the walls. <laughs> well, well, finally, when she graduated from art school in Paris, I hired her because uh, I was directing that film, and um, I asked her, Claire, look, Rapunzel is an artist. She survives in this tower. I've uh, lived her whole life in the tower. She survives by creatively painting the walls. She makes the walls go away by her painting. Mm. Can you do that? So Claire just started painting and designing. So when Rapunzel paints, that's really my my daughter Claire's painting on those walls. It's the most natural thing in the world to to express yourself creatively, to take the people you love and put it into your work. What was wonderful to me is, is ways that I could connect to the characters I was animating in a very deep spiritual way for me. I love characters that believe the impossible is possible. I mean, Ariel, she's a mermaid. She's underwater. She breathes water, but she's in love with someone who lives in another world, another plane. She can't even exist where he lives. And yet somehow she's going to be there with him. Um, She sings a song, Part of Your World, which was the first song that I animated in that movie, where she expresses this longing and this confidence. That's very much the spiritual reality of any of us, longing to live in the heavenly realms uh, with Christ. The impossible becomes possible. But the beast, (laughs) here's this character that he's selfish and he's got a temper and his outside is going to reflect what is on the inside. And there, he's a beast on the outside and desperately wants to change and hopes that somebody could see something inside of him to love. And Belle comes along and miraculously, before the pedal falls, lifts this curse as she, she loves him. He transforms. The prince inside comes out. I mean, when I, I was animating that sequence where Beast transforms, I, I remember writing down one of the drawings that, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm-hmm. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And that was very much me. I mean, I, I had the worst temper when I was a little kid. I'd throw stuff around and smash a little model I was building on, on the wall. And my mom, who was Australian, would come by and say, is that my little Glenny? <laughs> that would make me even more mad. And so I, I really understood this temper and frustration of the beast, and I was animating me in him. And as well as the transformation was very much my own spiritual journey. And again and again, through each of the characters, I have found that uh, God gave me an opportunity to describe in what I drew and the animation that I that I felt and animated the, these characters, uh, an expression of my own my own faith. That is so interesting, Glenn. Uh, it really, really is. Uh, I wish we had uh, more time, but let, let's talk about Adam Raccoon, which is your current project that uh, is being so well-received. It's a series of children's books. Tell me about Adam Raccoon. Well, there was a certain point for me where I really wanted a way to express my, uh, my faith in my drawings uh, in a very direct way. So I was doing these illustrations for a guy named Henry Brandt. Uh, he didn't know I was doing them for him, but he was a Christian psychologist, and he had done some books 
that I loved. Yeah, so I was going to go down. My wife and I were going to go see he and his wife, and we drove down there together, spent the evening, and said, look, I'd love to find a way to express, you know, my faith in my drawings. And his wife, Marcy, said, uh, Glenn, I think we should really just stop right now and just pray and ask God to direct how he would answer this prayer. So we did. I I didn't know if something was going to happen with Henry Brandt or not, but Linda and I had to hop in the car and drive back. And the next morning, I had to do daily vacation Bible school. I was going to have to stand up in front of them and (laughs) tell a story of some sort. Sort of this, you know, badly needed panic that actually releases the... uh, the creativity. Unfortunately, my life has always been that way. I've got to be up against the wall. (laughs) So I'm driving back and thinking, what if there was like a world that became like an illustration of our world? And it's like the woods and I'll have a lion and he can be like Christ and, and I can have this little raccoon character and he can be like us. And he's always getting into trouble. But for me, these stories have always started with scripture. Anytime I was I've been teaching. It starts with scripture. And so I thought, well, I need to start with what's happened in my own life, John 3.16. How can I illustrate that? By the time we got back home, I had the first story, Forever Falls, uh, an Adam Raccoon story worked out in my mind, which I drew up about four o'clock the next morning and then presented it at nine o'clock at daily vacation Bible school. And then the rest of that week, day after day after day, I'd get up early and the next story came, and the next story came, and that week, so many of those stories were there, um, and they became the, the basis for the series, Adam Raccoon. I found the right partnership with Chris Scotty and Gary Kim in the Green Egg Media. They've uh, got a publishing company that we've republished the books. Well, they're so colorful and so well done. And the themes are biblical themes. That's the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. The stories are a way to present the spiritual truth. I mean, they're parables for kids, and they come in the back door. I mean, a parable comes in the back door of your mind. Uh, it may be teaching something that you've heard before, but you've never quite understood it the way you do now. And Adam Raccoon is like all of us, and he's constantly getting himself into trouble. He doubts. He moves forward without thinking. King Aaron Pretty much, you know, the lion is constantly rescuing him and out of some situation, teaching him, really encouraging Adam to follow him and to listen to him and to trust him. These stories, you know, is just a fun little story, uh, but also it's a vehicle for parents to explain their own faith to their children as they read the stories to them. Well, for more information about these children's books written by our guest, Glenn Keane, go to our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Look for the Adam Raccoon series at firstpersoninterview.com. As I mentioned earlier, support for First Person is provided by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which seeks to proclaim Christ to the world through radio and new media. FEBC broadcasts the gospel in nearly 50, often hard-to-reach countries, always in the local language. To learn more about how to support FEBC, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and click on the FEBC banner, firstpersoninterview.com. And your comments are always welcomed at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be Norm Mulder. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next time, right here for First Person. First Person.